This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Gruy. I knew my marriage was dying on our 25th wedding anniversary, but it took another five years to finally end. We had just run out of things to say to each other. Now, we had decided to take a week-long drive through Northern California, meander through the Napa Valley, and then on to Big Sur, just to follow our noses. Towards the end of the trip, I had gone down to a workout room of the Holiday Inn Express. I was thinking, do I really want some exercise, or am I just avoiding the awkward silence? When I returned to the room, I was so relieved to find Cindy asleep, I I just sat there looking at her for the longest time and wondered what had happened. How had we grown so far apart after all we had been through together? Why couldn't I just talk to her? Now, Cindy was an incredibly kind person with a wonderful sense of humor, and until the day she died, we were still very good friends. In sharing about my divorce, I'm not going to try to tell her story. That's for her to do. And as the always wise Anne Lamott said, you can't write out of someone else's big dark place. You can only write out of your own. Besides, if you're looking for some salacious details of betrayal and seduction, you're not going to find them here. As the vapid yet lethal phrase connotes, we simply just grew very far apart. After 30 years of sharing life, I, I still had so many profound and moving memories of being with her. For, for example, when we lived in England and she was in the midst of that deep two-year depression I shared with you about a couple of weeks ago, I can re- remember one afternoon she came up and sat on my lap on that little house on Washington Close in Windsor, and with tears in her eyes, she just held me and told me that no man had ever loved her as I had. We both cried. I always found joy and meaning in loving and caring for her, but looking back on those times in an honest, self-reflective way, I wonder if I was deriving a sense of power and meaning in caring for her, because the truth be told, I made it very difficult for her and for my son Elijah to love me. There were so many times when she would look at me lovingly, and I asked her not to do it because it just made me feel nervous. I shut her out. Now, this was due in no small measure to my own inability to love myself, to be, to be more specific, to accept myself, and in particular, my body. I've always been ashamed of my body from my earliest memories. I, I was a fat kid growing up and, and came to believe that no one could ever really love or want me. I, I can clearly remember every Sunday morning after Mass as a kid, stopping to pray in front of the statue of Mary and closing my eyes and praying that she would instantly make me skinny, hoping to find my when I opened my eyes that my clothes would now be way too big and always being disappointed. Being fat was the source of all my problems in grade school and high school, so I thought. Now, there was an upside to this self-rejection of my body image. I developed a keen mind. I loved to read and tell stories and make people laugh as a way of deflecting my own insecurities. Now, sometimes the things we compensate for can grow into wonderful gifts, 
Again, Annie Lamott says, Now a person's faults are largely what make him or her likable. So, for example, I love the Oregon coast. Uh, Part of what makes the coast so beautiful are the rock formations that stand out in the water. Eons of sand and sun, winds and waves have chipped away and eroded the rocks into spectacular pieces of art. Now, the same is true for bonsai trees. I love them. The gnarly wood and twisted shapes are so majestic. It's the imperfections and the evidence of being beaten down by life, sculpted by suffering, and yet somehow staying alive and thriving that make them so beautiful. During the whole of our marriage, I just couldn't really believe that Cindy wanted me or loved me. And I just thought I was the recipient of her deep kindness. And so I relished in being kind to her. And after 30 years, we came to the very real but sad conclusion. We were just good roommates. We were good friends. But there is more to life. And so we decided to divorce. And that was such a difficult decision. I moved into a small apartment. I was hiding. I felt like an absolute failure. I felt ashamed after being a Christian minister for all my life and my marriage comes to an end. I felt like an utter failure. Now that's the background and the context for the story I shared way back in episode 17, the story of Elijah hiding in the cave. And that day when I met that woman at the nursing home, And I came out to my car and I realized I still have time to be alive. What am I doing hiding in the cave of my apartment? What am I doing hiding behind my work, hiding from everyone else, feeling so ashamed? It is time. Grief had had done its work and it was time to come alive again, to try to uh, live again. In the book of Hosea, chapter uh, 11, is the final question in this little season of looking at the questions attributed to God. And this is the final question I will share with you for uh, this first season of the podcast, Meditations for Misfits. And the question found in Hosea 11.8, God says, how can I give you up? Ephraim, how can I hand you over Israel? My heart is changed within me, and all my compassion is aroused. Now in Hosea chapter 11, uh, God describes God's relationship with God's people like that of a parent of a wayward teenager that's just gone off and misbehaved and not done anything they're supposed to. And And in the middle of all this litany of all the the wrongs the teenager has done, God just seems to throw up God's hands and says, how can I give you up? And that's what I felt in that apartment when I felt so alone, so ashamed, that the Holy One was with me and said, how can I give you up? I love you. And so that encouraged me to to re-engage with life. I uh, I actually went online to Match.com and put on a profile and, 
and I got to meet some wonderful people, and I actually met this incredible woman named Nancy, who, by the way, loves Thomas Merton as much as I do. And we started to date, and it wasn't long that we fell in love. And I've tried to take what I have learned from my mistakes with Cindy and not repeat those mistakes with Nancy. I have really opened my heart. She loves me very, very much. And I'm beginning to allow her to do that. I'm receiving her love, which is really new for me. And I'm also receiving the love of my son Elijah, which is new for me. And in deeper ways, the love of God, which is ongoing for me. And their loving me is changing me and opening me to to live a more engaged life in this world and not try to hide and compensate and deflect, but to really open my heart to others. So that's the process I'm in. And this last year, it's been an incredible year. We started the podcast. I started sharing what's been going on in my life. In September, we lost our home, everything we owned. Cindy died. I've gotten married. It's been quite a year. And uh, the adventure is just ongoing. I'm continuing daily to work at my relationship with Nancy, an incredibly fabulous, beautiful, loving, gifted woman, and allowing her love to help bring healing to my life. And uh, I'm more alive, I think, than I have ever been. And so I wanted to share this with you. This is very personal, and I know it is. And if I have any word of encouragement for you this week, it's it's that, uh, this last question where God says, how can I give you up? My, my firm belief is that God never, ever gave up on me. Through all the things I've done and not done, God has never given up on me. And my encouragement for you is I just firmly believe God will never give up on you as well. No matter what, God will never give up on you. So this episode concludes Season 1 of the Meditations for Misfits podcast, and I sincerely want to thank you for joining me for however many of these episodes uh, you've been able to to download. I I deeply appreciate it. So my plan for Season 2, as we kick off next week, Season 2, will be to share some specific exercises and ideas on how to live a more fully engaged life. If you've tracked with me over the last year, you you know you've heard me say numerous times, my goal is to learn to be more uh, grateful, to be more generous, to accept reality as it is, and to bless the people in my life. So for the next few weeks, maybe a month or two, I'd like to share specific ideas and exercises on how to actually do those things, how to grow in gratitude and generosity, specific uh, examples of, of ways to do that, how to embrace life as it really is, and how to bless the people in our world. So I, I really hope you'll hang with me and and uh, that the ideas I share may be of blessing to your life. In conclusion, uh, let me say a prayer. Holy One, 
you are beyond our ability to understand. But I am so grateful that you never give up on us, that you are relentless and breaking through all of the barriers and obstacles we put up uh, to hide, that you won't let us do that, that you use the events of life or just break through yourself to call us into living a fully engaged existence while we can with you. And so it is my prayer that we would learn to yield to your promptings, that we would go with your flow, that we would be open to your invitation to give love and to receive love. Oh, help us, please. Amen.